This case has two stems. Firstly, a premature infant presents with mild bleeding per rectum. What is your provisional diagnosis? Briefly describe your management. What problems are present in premature babies? The second case is a two-week-old preterm baby comes in with abdominal distension, inability to tolerate feeds, apneas, lethargy, and a fluctuating temperature. How would you assess and manage this child? My impression would be that this preterm neonate has necrotizing enterocolitis, which is the most common gastrointestinal emergency in preterm infants. My concerns are this could progress to a perforation leading to a generalised peritonitis, sepsis, DIC and shock. My differentials would include infectious causes such as bacterial or viral gastroenteritis or colitis or a generalised sepsis with ileus. I would consider obstructive causes which can result in enterocolitis. Uh, so these causes would include a meconium ileus, Hirschsprungs, intussusception and volvulus. I would also consider spontaneous intestinal perforation of the newborn, where a single localised perforation occurs, usually at the terminal ileum in the first week of life. Another differential would be cow's milk protein intolerance, which usually presents after six weeks of life and can cross from mum to breast milk. My approach to this situation would be to conduct a targeted history, examination and investigations, including an abdominal x-ray looking for pneumatosis intestinalis to confirm my provisional diagnosis and exclude life-threatening complications. My management would be to manage appropriately using supportive measures and consider surgery for complicated necrotizing enterocolitis. I would firstly conduct an A to E assessment of the child if they were hemodynamically unstable, but if they were stable, I would proceed with assessment of the patient, starting off with the history, asking about symptoms and complications related to necrotizing enterocolitis. I would firstly want to ascertain the severity of the disease, of the illness. So this is based off Bell's staging criteria. Uh, which is used in research, but there's currently no evidence for informing management. So there's three stages which determine severity, suspected, confirmed, necrotizing enterocolitis without perforation, and advanced, which is where you have per perforation. So suspected, confirmed, advanced, and this is going to direct the management. So in terms of symptoms of necrotizing enterocolitis, there's usually feeding intolerance and a change in the feeding habits, which is the most common binding. They would often have abdominal symptoms such as distension, bloody stools, diarrhea and bilious vomiting. Non-specific symptoms like apnea, lethargy, respiratory failure and temperature instability. And the classic triad is firstly, abdominal distension, secondly, blood in the stool, and thirdly, pneumatosis intestinalis, which is a radiographic finding. I would also ask about complications of necrotizing enterocolitis, which includes peritonitis, sepsis, and shock. My history would then focus on ruling out differentials. So for infectious causes, asking about contacts and exposure, obstructive causes, asking about constipation, a history of Hirschsprungs and asking if they've passed meconium. Uh, for spontaneous intestinal perforation, um, it's commonly in an earlier presentation, so within the first week of life and not associated with feeding. Uh, and they're classically blue discoloration of the abdominal wall. 
For cow's milk protein intolerance, it's a later presentation generally, um, so after usually after six weeks of life, and it's associated with cow's milk. So the mother usually has dairy, and this comes through in breastfeeding. So asking about poor weight gain and any widespread eczema. I would then proceed to complete the full paediatric history before moving on to examination of the child, which would be a general paediatric examination, checking their vital sign, signs, looking for signs of toxicity and addressing their hydration status to check for signs of dehydration. And then I would perform a gastrointestinal exam looking for signs of necrotizing enterocolitis. So these signs would include things like abdominal distension, tenderness, peritonitis. Occasionally there might also be abdominal wall erythema, crepitus, induration. Investigations I'd want to perform include bedside investigations like a VBG, checking for hypoxia, metabolic acidosis and lactate in sepsis. Um, I would also want to conduct a stool MCS for infective differentials and stool reducing substances to check for cow's milk protein intolerance. In terms of laboratory tests, we could check, do a full blood count looking for a neutropenia in NEC and low platelets, coagulation studies if there's low platelets to screen for DIC where you would get low fibrinogen, increased PT and APTT. EUCs for any non-specific findings. For imaging, abdominal x-ray is the most important investigation which is taken in a supine position um, and potentially in a left lateral decubitus position to see if there's any free air or pneumoperitoneum if suspecting perforation. Abdominal x-ray would show pneumatosis intestinalis and that confirms the diagnosis which is where you have submucosal gas or air in the intestinal wall. You might also see on abdominal x-ray dilated loops of bowel, portal venous gas line, which is where you have gas in the portal venous system, increased intestinal wall thickness, and pneumoperitoneum if it was perforated. An abdominal ultrasound can be used if the abdominal x-ray is equivocal. So there's supportive and definitive management. Supportive management would include keeping the patient nil by mouth, Bowel rest is important as there is an ileus due to the inflammation. So they would be under total parenteral nutrition um, and then gradual enteral feeding can be reintroduced once uh, the symptoms, once it's improving. Supportive management can also include gastric decompression using intermittent nasogastric suction. Uh, that you can also have IV fluid replacement and electrolyte correction, IV broad spectrum antibiotics, uh, although guidelines may differ based on different hospital protocols. Um, IV broad-spectrum antibiotics would be gentamicin, ampicillin and metronidazole. You'd also want to ensure continuous monitoring. Um, so an abdominal exam every two hours and an abdo x-ray every six to 12 hours until the pneumatosis intestinalis resolves. Definitive management is... Uh, potentially with surgical intervention, which would go ahead if the patient was failing to respond or deteriorating despite medical therapy. Uh, you'd also proceed with surgical intervention if there were any signs of perforation. Um, the surgical technique is often laparotomy and resection of the necrotic bowel, uh, as well as peritoneal drainage. For long-term follow-up, you'd uh, provide 
parental education and any red flags for signs of bowel obstruction. And keeping in mind one of that one of the long-term complications of necrotizing enterocolitis is strictures. FYI, the pathogenesis is a multifactorial etiology thought to be caused by a combination of hypoxia and ischemia to the bowel mucosa, as well as gastrointestinal immaturity and bacterial overgrowth within the GI lumen. It's a disorder characterized by ischemic necrosis of the intestinal mucosa and is associated with severe inflammation, invasion of enteric gas forming organisms and dissection of gas into the bowel wall and the portal venous system. The epidemiology is usually in preterm infants. The earlier the baby, the higher risk of developing necrotizing enterocolitis. Uh, the first two to four weeks of life and not the first week and often after enteral feeding has been initiated, possibly due to the inability to digest the food, leading to bacterial overgrowth.